0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. If you are listening to this in real time, I just encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already, it costs you nothing. It's an easy way to support this, uh, endeavor that I'm on. And as we're, you know, moving towards crushing 10,000 downloads, which we're getting closer every week. Um, but it's Thanksgiving week and I have a confession. I don't really like Thanksgiving. Okay. I hope we can still be friends. Um, You know, I don't think this is one of those things that we have to break relationship over. But here's the thing. I love getting with my family. Uh, Growing up, Thanksgiving was one of the holidays where my mom, she's one of four kids. And so all of their siblings would get together with all their kids. And it was a really fun time to be together. My grandma, she makes these great oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. And side note, I hate oatmeal, but these cookies are incredible. Um, And she's so great. Uh, I think of her favorite grandkid, uh, you know, a kid, but you know, to me, I feel like I am. Cause she would always make me a couple of giant ones, just really fun. And so those were always something I looked forward to at Thanksgiving. And then she would make these butterscotch, uh, rice, crispy treats. Now here's a, a funny family tidbit for you. I grew up thinking these were my great grandmother's special recipe. Uh, we called them rice, crispy treats. That's what we called them. And so here's what they are. They're peanut butter, rice, krispies, some K row syrup and regular shir- syrup. Heat that up, mix it together, toss it together, uh, put it in a pan, and then you coat them with a bag of semi-sweet chocolate chips and a bag of butterscotch chocolate chips. You melt those together, pour it on as a topping, and these suckers are divine. I was in my 20s when I learned that this is a common recipe called Scotcharoos. That my great-grandmother got off the box of a box of Rice Krispies in like the 40s or something like that. Here I am thinking this is a tried and true special family recipe and turns out that all of America knows how to make these things. That was a pretty embarrassing moment on my behalf. But nevertheless, they're amazing. So I loved being together at Thanksgiving, but between you and I, I don't really care for the Thanksgiving food options. I kind of never have i'm not a big turkey person except maybe in lunch meat form um and you know watching my mom and her siblings cre- you know prepare the turkey just grossed me out it still does even as an adult uh, i just relinquished that uh duty to my brother And then we would have these noodles that my grandma would make. They're sort of like a dumpling style noodle. And I do, they're homemade. I do really like those. But I was not a mashed potato fan. I liked the green bean casserole. And everything else on the buffet, except maybe the rolls, were just stuff that I was not interested in. But of course, as a kid, you don't have much say in what your parents make. So when I was a sophomore in high school, junior in high school, maybe somewhere around there, sophomore, I had to have my wisdom teeth taken out. And so my brilliant idea was, you know, I don't like Thanksgiving, so I'll do it the week of Thanksgiving. Won't have to miss any school. So my mom takes me, I get the wisdom teeth taken out the day before Thanksgiving, like an idiot. Because if you have ever experienced FOMO, when you cannot eat anything, even the stuff that you don't like all of a sudden becomes the thing you want the most. And I will never forget laying on the couch with ice bags on my puffed up cheeks while my whole family, like 25 of us, went through the buffet eating this food that all of a sudden smelled like the holy grail itself. And here I am thinking, maybe I don't hate Thanksgiving. The next year rolled around and no, it's true. I do. So I've sort of owned it as an adult that Thanksgiving is my least favorite holiday. In fact, I think I like Halloween more than I like Thanksgiving and I don't really like a lot of things about Halloween. So that's saying something. That being said. I want to talk about the act of being thankful, uh, even though I'm not a big fan of Thanksgiving. So when I was in college, my pastor used to have us do this challenge. They called it the thankfulness challenge. And the goal was to get up in the morning of Thanksgiving early and spend an hour writing down everything you are thankful for. Now, I tried this challenge a couple different years and within 30 minutes I was starting to be thankful for things like water and oxygen because I was really struggling to come up with that many things. Maybe I'm a fast writer or a fast thinker. I don't know. But I would encourage you if you've never done something like this, maybe take this as the year because even though 2020 has been difficult, there's still a lot to be thankful for. And sometimes we have to push ourselves to click into a gear of thankfulness. It's interesting, the Bible has a lot to say about thankfulness. There's a lot in there about how a thankful heart prepares the way for the Lord. And I think psychology is actually proving this uh, for us in modern times, because what we're learning through psychological studies is that the thing that we focus on is the thing we begin to gravitate towards. You may have heard it said like this, that what you behold, you become it's actually a a, a true thing. It's a proven principle that when you are focused on something, you go after it. In fact, Jesus himself talks about it when he says that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, what does that mean? That means that the thing you can't stop thinking about is the thing you will move your life towards. If you cannot stop thinking about getting married, Then you're going to move towards dating sites, towards pickup lines, maybe towards, you know, trying to get to know somebody. And everybody is viewed through the lens of, are you the one? If you are trying to make money, if you're in a commissions based career, like real estate or something like that, you know, every person you talk to, if that's your sole focus, making money, every person you talk to begins to be seen as a client, Uh, in in our brokerage, you know, we encourage people to think about it like you're serving someone instead of using them for your purposes. Because when you begin to think that you're using someone or they are like, uh, someone that you can consume to get to your goal, then you begin to kind of get a little bit weird. This is a really biblical principle. And I think what God is pointing to is that when we choose to focus on things that we're thankful for, we begin to see God's hand in our life. Now, it's not to say that you have to be thankful for every single thing that you go through. I mean, I'm definitely not saying if you have you know, leprosy or something, then, then we're entitled to say, I'm thankful for my leprosy or as if God wants you to do that. I mean, that's not really what I'm saying. In fact, in some ways, the Christian narrative has become merged with this idea of suffering that, that you know, because God uses all things for his good, for those that are in Christ Jesus, that that I guess that means that we have to be glad when bad things are happening. And I'm not someone who subscribes to that. I think that God is just so stinking good. He can't help, but turn bad things around. But just because he can and will turn it around, doesn't mean that you should sit there telling yourself that it's not hard, that it's not difficult, that it's not painful. I mean, sometimes that's called denial, but a thankful heart prepares the way for the Lord. So what an interesting concept, right? So my question to you today would be, what is it that you're wanting God to come and do in your life? What kind of thing needs to be prepared for, for you? Like when you think about your life and you're thinking towards where you want to go, what direction you want to lean in, what needs to be prepared in you and how can thankfulness set you up for that? So I like to think about it like this. If God is calling me to something, I can set back and do some reflection and kind of think through, oh, wow, Lord. You've set me up for this particular thing. Let me give you an example. When we became youth pastors, we, we had been in youth ministry since 2001, really, pretty much since after I graduated high school, I started volunteering in youth groups. I've always kind of had a passion for teenagers and young adults. And uh, so we were serving in a youth ministry in Waco, Texas. We moved to Norman, Oklahoma in I think 2008 or 2009. Um, I have to get out the calendar and look at the moment. And we became the youth pastors of a church that we helped plant in Norman, And we started our youth group with four students, and two of them were siblings, so three different family units. Our first night of youth ministry, we had a pizza party, had these students over, and just kind of got to know them, and it was the most epic comedy of errors, while one of them did not stop talking about the Jonas Brothers for an hour. And I'm talking about the kind of thing where You could be talking about Thanksgiving yams, and somehow it sparked in her a connection to the Jonas Brothers that helped her bring it back up. Another student that was there was friends with Toby Keith's son, and he worked that into every part of the conversation. And about halfway through, I remember thinking to myself, this is going to be hard. Shortly after we uh, had a couple families join the church that uh, had students and their students started coming in, one of the students had special needs. Amazing, sweet girl, just incredible person. But the small group environment was difficult for her. And To be honest, our whole youth ministry changed a little bit to adapt to that. Now, I I didn't think that was a problem. In fact, interestingly enough, when I was in high school, one of my dear friends was someone who had muscular dystrophy. And so by the end of our senior year of high school, he was primarily in a wheelchair and our youth room was upstairs with no elevator. So me and a couple other friends would take turns putting him on our back, carrying him upstairs. Somebody else would grab the wheelchair so that he could be a part of it because we didn't want him to miss out. He had given his life to Jesus. Jesus, I think our sophomore, freshman, sophomore year of high school, and uh, just a really interesting thing. So I was already sort of predisposed, for lack of a better word, to make concessions for people who uh, struggled in the common norm. Um, for the sake of the gospel that was normal to me because of my high school experience. So then in this situation, it was no big deal to have to make minor adjustments to uh, create a space where she could really thrive to be in our youth group, because we were absolutely not going to say that she couldn't come. I mean, what kind of a heartless person would do that? Even though there was, you know, and, and honestly the coolest part about that was that we actually learned a lot about um, people with special needs with her particular issue. Uh, Through knowing her, it was actually an incredible gift to have her in our life for the several years that we were youth pastors there. And then we moved from Norman to Oklahoma City to plant a church. And the beginning phase of our church was incredibly awkward. Lots of small moments, lots of moments where there would just be a very small handful of people in the room. And if you've ever been a pastor, that is an incredibly difficult thing emotionally to navigate. And I found myself multiple times going back to these moments where our youth ministry was very, very small and there was a lot of awkward things that would happen. A lot of awkward interactions with, you know, a varying degree of different age. Ages, and I began to be thankful for the way that God had prepared me emotionally. Even though the skill set was not necessarily the same, the toughness of my heart to not give in to frustration was there because He had prepared me prior. I think that's what it means when we think about how a thankful heart prepares the way for the Lord. When we go back and say, Wow, God, you were in this all along you were maneuvering, you were shaping, you were weaving a thread that was going to pull the whole tapestry together. Where I thought this red thread in my black tapestry made no sense. All of a sudden it becomes the premier central unifying thing. A thankful heart prepares the way for the Lord. One of the things that I like to do around Thanksgiving is, is to make myself choose something I'm thankful for, for everybody in my family. Different years, that's been a real struggle. Uh, Some years, it's really easy. Other years, it's like, you know what? You are not a blessing to me, and I would rather just not think about it. But when we choose to move into an atmosphere of gratitude, we actually touch heaven just a bit. Now, that's not really a biblical phrase, but that's how it feels to me. So how do you do this? How do you practically do this in your life? Well, one of the ways I like to do it is by focusing on what I'm learning right now. Focus on what God is doing to you in you through you in this moment right now. So you've heard me say this a bunch of times. It's in my book. Uh, I wrote a book last year, put it out. uh, You'll get out of it when you learn to love it. Pick it up. It's a great, it's a great read. And in that book and throughout this podcast, I tell you to ask God this question. So here's my question to you. Are you doing it? And is it helping you? I can't imagine that it's not helping you because it has been the single greatest tool in my spiritual journey. And, And here's the question, Lord, who are you being to me today? because I'm in this situation that I'm in, that you couldn't be if everything was going the way I wanted it to be. Let's talk about in the context of Thanksgiving. Lord, who are you being to me today? Because it's 2020 and I can't celebrate with all my family. Or maybe you live in California and you're dealing with all of those crazy Thanksgiving rules, or maybe somebody in your family has COVID and everybody is quarantining. And so you're asking the Lord, who are you being to me today? Because I can't do these things I want to do that you could not be to me if I was able to. And then you just listen and let him speak to your heart. When he begins to say things like I'm teaching you how to rely on my presence. I'm, I'm showing you that I'm constant in your life. I'm showing you that you don't actually need validation from other people. You don't actually need a spouse to feel completed that I can actually help you feel completed in and of, you know, in me. When you begin to focus on that, thankfulness begins to emerge, right? Thankfulness of God, thank you for being in my life. Thank you for for shaping me. Thank you for leading me. And and I think it's all kind of centered around this idea that a thankful heart prepares the way for the Lord. It, It actually causes us to look for him. It causes us to pay attention. I mean, you and I both know we get so distracted in this life. We get so distracted by shiny objects, by plans, by thoughts, by current events that we forget to look for God. But in a place of thankfulness, it actually causes us to start saying, wait a second, Lord, what have you been doing? A thankfulness prepares the way. So I'm going to keep this one short because I know you've got stuff going on this week. I'm sure you're prepping holiday yumminess with your meals. I know I'll be uh, taking over the green bean casserole this year. That's my go-to dish that I like to do. And um, yeah, I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I'm actually really thankful for you. When I started this podcast in, in March of 2019, uh, I had no idea what it was going to be. I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, really could not have imagined that we'd be, uh, approaching a 10,000 listener download mark blowing me away in every expectation. I love hearing your testimonies. I get messages from you guys where you share with me, Hey, this, this one really ministered to me. I experienced God in this situation. I love hearing that. I could never have imagined what God was going to do through these moments that we share together. And I want you to know if, if nobody else in your life is thankful for you, I am thankful for you. Thank you for listening. For those of you guys that subscribe, thank you for doing that. For those of you guys that have, have rated or reviewed the podcast, you know, on iTunes, unfortunately you got to log on on a computer. You can't do it over the phone, but For those of you guys that have actually taken the time to do that, wow, it has blessed me so much. And I just want to say, again, I'm thankful for you. 2020 has been an interesting year that we've been doing together. And I hope that you feel like you've been becoming your best self in Jesus, even in the depths of the hardship. I hope it's been something that has refined and brought uh, a growth into your life. Well, that's all I've got for you today. Have an amazing Thanksgiving week. Until next time, be blessed.